Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to Friends Church. Happy you're here this morning. Um, Typically, we get a lot of new visitors that show up with family and friends around this time. This is kind of one of those special celebrations in the Christian tradition anyways. And depending on where you're from, what your background is, maybe you're familiar with maybe a, a very traditional kind of Easter setup and service. This might feel a little different. All right, I'm just going to give you the warning and a heads up right now. Even if you're a kind of a regular friend's church, how the service typically goes, you know, we kind of fall into patterns or whatever, and people say, oh, yeah, they have music in the front end, whatever. This is going to, we're just going to throw you off a little this morning. It's going to feel a little different for everyone. So uh, we're going to invite you to, to just be here for an hour. You know how easy it is for your mind to be somewhere else while you're sitting here, kind of pretending you're here? We do that at work. We can do that in school. Uh, We really invite you to just kind of close off everything you've been thinking about that's going to happen. How many Easter dinners are going on today? Anyone out there? Yeah, okay. So don't worry about the turkey or the ham or whatever. Let's just leave that out. And let's just kind of allow ourselves to breathe right in this moment. So often we don't breathe enough. So I'm just going to invite you... Take some big breaths. Allow yourself to just relax. Big breaths in and out. And I'm going to invite you to open up your heart and your mind. We got one hour gym session right here that we're hoping will inspire something inside of you, that will ignite some thinking, perhaps some introspection. We're hoping after this is all said and done, this hour in the gym here, You'll have experienced something profound between you and the divine. That's what we're hoping. If you can be open to it. Otherwise, you can allow your mind to stay somewhere else and you won't even notice when this thing started and stopped. (laughs) Don't be one of those. You got out of bed to be here. You might as well make the most of it. Hey, let's do this. I mean, (laughs) okay. So tell you what, after this is said and done, we're gonna, you know, sometimes we live in a kind of a sleepy or kind of a dead state, and we want that to come alive this morning. We're going to exercise some, some dead bones, some ghosts. In fact, uh, we got to say, hey, how's that for a segue? I, I'm on it. I'm on it this morning. You know what? I just invite you to, uh, to just enjoy your morning. We're not going to have you standing and sitting, whatever, although you're free to do whatever you want, all right? We're not going to tell you what to do, but some music plays. May you have some divine moments this morning, some thin place moments. We're going to exercise some ghosts in our bones. Hey, um, I want to start off with a question. I ask this from time to time. Do you know why you're even here today? <laughs> like, beyond just showing up because it's Easter. Because this is kind of supposed to be the day you kind of end up in church. Do you know really why you're here? Or why... Like, church is a thing for you? Spirituality? You know what I think? And I can't speak for everyone here, but I think many of you are here because you're chasing some kind of spirituality that makes sense. That maybe adds some kind of reason or meaning to your life. Depth. It's, it's got to be more than just eating, sleeping, and paying taxes, Right? There's got to be something deeper and wider to our existence here. 
I think you got out of bed for something like that. And I don't know what that picture is. We call it spirituality. I ask people sometimes, what, what does that even mean to you? And often that's where the words kind of start getting jumbled. It's hard to explain, isn't it? Sometimes I've even had a difficult time explaining what it is I'm looking for or trying to achieve or experience. Sometimes it's easy for me to just point to a person I've seen it in. Now, I grew up in church. Jesus, the figure of Jesus, was very impactful for me. Just the way that he talked, at least that I'd read of his stories, the way he lived, the kinds of things that mattered to him, his priorities. That was incredibly impactful. But probably the most modern expression of spirituality for me, the thing I'm chasing or that I want for my life, is wrapped up in a guy that I knew as Mr. Klein. If you've been around, maybe you heard me reference him on the odd occasion. He was my, friend's best, uh, my best friend's dad. I met, him, met Mr. Klein when I was 10 years old. My family's going through a tough time divorce, so, and my, my mom was working as a realtor, and not a whole lot of people at home all the time. So I'd go over to Matt's place. And Mr. Klein, man, I, you know, no one asked him to. My mom didn't say, oh, can you just... And it was none of that. He just reached into my life at a time when I was, like, very impressionable. And he just kind of played kind of a father figure for me. He taught me how to mow the lawn. He taught me how to file my taxes. He was there when I shaved for the first time. This guy was a wonderful guy. He was firm. He had no problem calling me out and saying, Jarvis, get over here. You said you were going to do this? You do that. But what I saw in that man, the way he volunteered his time, he was a successful businessman. He carved, he'd come out and play football with us. He cared. He would, he would get involved volunteering at the Sunday school, at the church. I just remember watching him and just thinking, I don't know what spirituality is, but I tell you, I think it looks a lot like what that guy does and how he lives. And to this day, I think I do a lot of what I've, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm chasing a version of spirituality that I saw in that person. Now, I don't know what your version is, whether there is a person that shaped you You looked at and you said, I don't even know all that that person's about, but boy, there's something that rings true about the way that they live. Maybe it was a set of teachings that you're introduced to, a book that you read, you just went, there's something about that 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 is deeper and wider in life that emanates from that thing, and I love it, and I want to be about that. What is it for you? Chances are that's your why that you end, why you got up and got into a place like this, why it is you're doing what you're doing right now in spirituality, because you have a picture of something that makes sense to you. That you're going, yeah, 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 that. Now, the funny thing is, I have this picture of what I think spirituality should embody for me. But over the course of my life, I've been introduced to different teachings, different beliefs, different things that are wrapped up in the tradition that I grew up in, the religious tradition I was a part of, that somehow, and it's hard to explain, but it has kind of led me away from the Mr. Klein or the Jesus spirituality that I, was, that I, that I really wanted to be about. How does that happen? 
Maybe, maybe that's why you hear some people saying, look at, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. Often what they're detecting is something about spirituality in these people that are supposedly spiritual or religious doesn't make sense to me. There's something that they're saying or doing or whatever, mm, but this over here really works for me. I had that happening. And I'll give you one example, just one, because there are many. One was around this thing called hell. And anyone that's grown up in traditional Christianity, you know that word, chances are. I was taught from a young age that if I didn't do a certain set of things, if I didn't believe a certain set of beliefs, there was a prayer that was attached to that and a certain act of repentance and forgiveness that was needed. And then kind of I started learning later that maybe there, there was a certain lifestyle, a certain number of things that I needed to avoid or whatever. And as long as I lined it all up right, I wouldn't have to worry. I had nothing to worry about. But if I didn't get that formula right, something was waiting for me on the other side. And it was in the afterlife. How many are familiar with this kind of concept? And so if I didn't cross my T's and dot my I's, perhaps there was something very ugly waiting for me after my life, my number came up. I remember as a young kid being terrified by that. I remember there were nights where I'd lie awake and I'd think, geez, I think I did it all right. And I would just pray again in my bed. But boy, this low-level anxiety was just riding all the time. And it's funny, I talk to people even to this day. I was talking to a person who right now is very sick. doesn't know how many days she has left. And she's freaking out. She says, I need you to come and talk to me right now because I'm freaking out. And I know that fear. I'm going, ah, I think I know what you are talking about. There was a point where I just started saying, for some reason, this, this thing called hell, this belief that's sitting out there, that's waiting for those that don't, it's getting in the way. And I'll tell you why. It almost, it took my motivation away from just wanting to be a Mr. Klein to some people, to going, I don't want to end up in a dark place one day. What do I got to do? My motivation for doing so much of what I was doing became chasing or running from that thing. Giving, church attendance, generosity, caring for people. It was like, if I don't, something dark about that, something sinister. And every now and then as a church leader, I can sniff that out in people. That there is a reason why they're doing what they're doing. And it's not a, a desire to attain this kind of beautiful spirituality. It is running from a dark place that they don't want to end up in one day. Man, it's a narcissistic kind of focus that can f- start moving in on the spiritual journey. It's fear-motivated, not love-motivated. It came a point where I said, you know what? I think I'm going to let go of that thing. I'm going to... Now, we've been talking a lot about hell over the last number of months, and I'm not going to even go into all the research we did to kind of go, wait a second. But there was a point where I went, this belief is not helping me. 
this is actually pulling me away from the kind of spirituality that I believe in, that makes sense to me. And you know what I did? Like almost a set of lenses. I took that hell lens off and I went. I said, I've got I to replace that with something that makes sense of my spirituality. I know there's some people here that are going, what? You playing with hell? And I was. I was. Amazing what began to happen. Now, I don't know. Perhaps hell serves a purpose as a belief in some people's lives. And we have no way of knowing what goes on after that. But I'm betting that there is someone here or that is listening to this podcast or watching this live stream that knows exactly the fear type, the anxiety based motivation that comes from some of this afterlife stuff. And it fuels and motivates you in a way that maybe doesn't make sense of the bigger picture for your life and what you want for spirituality. And if that's you today, I'm going to invite you to consider whether it's a lens that you need or not. Because every now and then, the spiritual journey asks us to evaluate how well we're seeing, like the optometrist office right? Does this land look clear or this one? A or B? C or D? Too many <laughs> decisions. <laughs> but after it's all said and done, you go, holy crap, I can see again. They say, yeah, that old set of lenses weren't really helping you that much. Today is an invitation to consider the lenses you're looking through. We're going to look at three different things that provide lenses for you. Depending on what lens you're, you're, you're looking through, perhaps today there will be an invitation for you to consider changing it up. We don't know. I know when I took off that lens of hell, in some ways I felt like I was losing my religion. <laughs> I am so on it this morning. I'm sorry. I don't know. Maybe there's someone here today that you know, kind of metaphorically, there's some part of your religion you got to lose to be able to see again. And I'm hoping you'll be open to that. Maybe it's something with the afterlife. I don't know. Think about it. We put some paper down on the chairs today and, and a pencil. And we're going to invite you to consider, as we talk through these lenses, where there's something that maybe you need to uh, you let go of today. Maybe be thinking... great line that Jeff had. Sometimes there's something from our religion that we need to let go of to find the freedom to do the spirituality that we need. It's tricky too because the religion feels right, right? You can't, you can't question these. You can't question hell. Jeff, there's hell. If you question, you're going to go there. For me, one of the profound things I had to let go of, I had to let go of hell at one point. But there's something else that was kind of more profound for me, and I think maybe some of you too. And to understand it, I need to share a parable we've been talking about. It's this idea that says, imagine there's a fountain, and the fountain is kind of like mid-thigh deep, and you're hanging on the fountain, and you're watching a kid play on the edge of the fountain. And the kid falls into the water, Now, it's only up to your thigh, and clearly the kid can't swim. What do you do? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a no-brainer, right? You jump in, save the kid from drowning, bring him to the side. Okay, but what if you're wearing a really great pair of shoes? What do you do? What was that? <laughs> she's smart. She's like, fashion first, then we'll save the kid. <laughs> if you have time, take off your shoes. I love it. And if not, you jump in. You save a child's life. Who cares about your shoes? You can buy another pair. Let's flip the metaphor. The fountain is our lives. And we're the kids on the edge of the pool. And there's this conception that people call God that's sitting on the outside of the pool. And the water's only deep, this deep for that person. And we get sick. That's falling into the pool. We get a cancer diagnosis. We get a car accident. Russia invades our country. And here's the problem. Because oftentimes for some of us, some of us, it doesn't feel this way. But for some of us, it feels like that super being, that divine entity that people call God, is sitting on the edge watching us and doesn't want to get their shoes dirty. And we look at murders and assaults and all the horrible things in the world. And we say, where are you, God? And for some of us, it feels like God doesn't care. Now, sometimes, some people, this doesn't bother you. And if it doesn't bother you, that's wicked. I, I love to watch people who this doesn't bother. But for me, this is profound. Now, the church has done many things. Religion has done many things. They said, okay, no, no, no. The people who fell in the water were bad people. Right? When my marriage ended and I became a divorced person, I was literally a pastor on stage, divorced. In my tradition, that means that you fall into the fountain of life and God doesn't give a rat's butt about you because there's something wrong with you. I know for some of you, it's sexual orientation. It's, it's I did this, I took that. I, you know, did, Vince, if you only knew what I did in my life, you would understand why the super being doesn't care about me. And yet, for me to be here, for you to be here, for some of you to be here, we have to let go of something. We have to let it go of a conception of God that maybe doesn't care. Maybe dislikes divorced people. Maybe dislikes something I have done. Can you feel that inside of you? You look around and you go, why is the world the way it is? Why can't the divine entity do something? What I realized is it might have been my conception of the divine that was destroying my spiritual life. I was angry. Felt unfair. And it, for me, it was the divine entity, the way I conceived of it. What's it for you? Is it faith? Is it your church tradition? For me, like, when we talk about this, there's a time in my life I wrote on here, God. I need to get rid of that. 
in order to find something divine. There's been times when I would have written Christianity. Faith. Actually, no, faith has always been solid for me. I don't know why. Jesus. What in your tradition, what in your upbringing, what in your Simpsons conception isn't fitting with your spiritual journey? And could you have the strength to let it go? That's what we're inviting you, all of us today. Not so that we fall into nothing, but so we can fall into something that works again, that lights us up, that feels fulsome and and true, and it makes us go, no, 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 I want to do this. Mr. Klein, hell yeah, Mr. Klein. I don't know who Mr. Klein is, but he seemed like a nice guy. (laughs) Jeff says good things about him. (laughs) He's a good guy, Jeff said. What is it that you need to write down and let go of? And I know part of our brains are like, well, no, Vince, <laughs> this is all true. You can't let it go. It's kind of a package. And I'm telling you, it's not. Over the last couple of months, we've explored the divine in all the ways it's expressed in our tradition. And this is just a little art tradition. The divine as love between two people. Not a super being that sits on the edge of the fountain and watches us fall in and does nothing. The divine in the hand of the surgeon. The actual hand of the surgeon is the divine cutting the tumor out of us and saving our lives. The divine in the whisper. There's one book that's the divine in sex. So you know you're not allowed to say that in church. You should write that down. <laughs> what is it that we need to let go of? Of religion to find our spirituality. As the band is playing this next song, I encourage you. You can kind of like hide it and do one of these so that your neighbor can't see. Sometimes I use codes. G. I know what I'm talking about. And y'all, don't look at any of your friends' papers. Don't check everything out. But take a time. What do I need to let go of? Jeff talked about this metaphor of a lens. You put a new one on. You let something go and you go, oh, shoot. Everything looks different now. And it's beautiful. That's what we're inviting you today. Take a second. Now I'm not. I bet. Good. Sorry. It was my bad. I was uh, chatting with a lady uh, a little while ago, and I said, I've been following you on Instagram. You guys are living the life, I said. I said, I've been watching you on Instagram. You got the world by the tail. said something like that. She was deadpan. She said, don't let Instagram fool you. She said, we all know. There's Instagram, and then there's reality. 
I thought, wow. I could, I could feel a sadness inside her. She didn't come right out and said it, say it, but what I heard was her saying, you don't know my truth. I don't know about you, but one thing I constantly have battled with all my life is the ability to reveal my truest self to the world, to live authentically, to kind of say, what you see is what you get. This is me, this is my family, this is my life. This is not just my good things, but here's some of my undesirable stuff. Take a look. I kind of say, hey, let's go over here, shall we? (laughs) Maybe that's true of all of us to some degree. But it is a bit of a form of slavery, isn't it? When you feel like there's a part of your life you can't afford other people to see. I was listening to a podcast recently. The author was talking about a condition they called authenticity deficit disorder. It's a real thing. Authenticity deficit disorder. She said all of us have grown up with scripts that have defined the right way we need to be to fit in. We've learned the scripts. Some of us come from families where the scripts are very defined. Maybe it's a a school or a school of friends you have. These scripts get written and we learn very quickly what it is we need to be or do or not do or not be. To be stamped approved to be put in the right category, to have the right kind of people that want to be around us, or to be seen as successful. And so we do our best to fit those scripts. And the scripts are fine, providing you can fit the script, providing you can keep up, providing you don't fall short of the standard or the criteria. But I tell you, once you don't, once you part, some part of your life falls short, you can't check the boxes like you could at one point. Those scripts become a powerful form of slavery. Because then we're forced to either keep our truth hidden and pretend we're something. Or something inside us says, you now are getting moved to the back of the bus. Have you ever felt like there was some part of your life that you needed to work really hard to keep hidden? Some part of you that you believe if the world knew, it would change a lot. Maybe it was a mistake you made. Maybe, maybe it's a form of imposter syndrome where you're, you're, you're filling a role and you're, and you're going, man, I'm kind of a fraud. I'm not who people think I am in whatever area of your life. Maybe it's some dark secret you felt you needed to protect at all costs. Whew. I come across people all the time where it's like, you can see 80% of me, but there is 20% you will never see. And they don't realize, man, that becomes a form of slavery like none other. It chokes out our spirituality. So many people will flood into church on a Sunday and they're going, man, you're going to see the best side of me. But boy, there is a side of me I will never bring into these places because I know what's coming. If I ever brought it in, 
If I ever divulged it, if I ever opened up that side of me, I know how things would change around here. You know, can you imagine a world where that lens got taken off and you, you, you put a new one that said, no, 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 100%. We live out our truth and we find and experience a community that says, no, no, we're safe here. Can you imagine? Peter Rollins, he's this philosopher, spiritual philosopher. I just love this guy. He talks about the ghosts. We can end up spending huge amounts of energy to avoid those truths. They become like ghosts. We're running from them. He says, we'll work so hard to protect these, keep these personas intact, shielding us from a confrontation with those ghosts in our head that say, you open up, you tell the truth, and you're done. So we just keep the mask alive and die a little bit every day because we're not really being who we were meant to be. Or at least who we were meant to be open about. We're not being true. Perhaps this is what Jesus was getting at when he referred to some of the religious leaders of his day. He had really stiff words. I'm not sure. I think maybe he saw them doing this very thing. He said, you guys... You religious leaders, you're hopeless. Those are harsh words. You religion scholars and Pharisees, you're frauds. Like manicured grave plots. Grass clipped and flowers bright, but six feet down under, it's all rotting bones and worm-eaten flesh. People look at you and think they're your saints. But beneath the skin, you're total frauds. Now, I want to be clear about something here. I don't think Jesus was calling out the fact that they had mistakes in their lives, that they had other stuff going on. Because if that was the case, Jesus should have had very harsh words for a lot of the other people he was hanging with. You know what I think he was getting at here? I think he was looking at them and saying, you're promoting a perfect persona that no one, no one can live. You're projecting a form of spirituality that no one can live up to, not even you. And if you look down deep, the truth lies down there, and I know your truth. So how about we quit pretending? And you guys need to start it off, because they're all looking at you. And you're projecting some kind of perfect Instagram image is oppressive, not just to you, but to everyone watching, because they're, they're not able to meet the standard. And they start believing there's something wrong with them. None of us are doing it. That's what I hear Jesus saying here. Come on. It's like Jesus was inviting them to a new way of living that was authentic. It was real. He's saying, I want to introduce you to a different lens of spirituality that says, let me introduce you to the other 20%. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with you. In fact, story after story, Jesus looking into people's lives, the lady at the well, he's going, hey, come on, tell the truth. How many times have you been married? I know the answer. That's what he says. 
I'm okay with it. I can handle the other 20%. Can you imagine being introduced to a new kind of spirituality where people can say, give me the 20%, let's, let's live real. Oh. Let me ask you something. Is there a part of your life this morning that perhaps you just need to be honest about and say, I'm working so hard to keep this hidden. And maybe I don't. I don't need to. Maybe I'm wearing a mask trying to present to the world that I'm something, and I'm not that person. Adam wrote a song called In Gold. And I remember hearing it for the first time. I did not grab on to the magic of this song. It's only later, as I'm reading through the lyrics, I'm going, I think the gold in this song is talking about the mask we will wear and how oppressive that thing can become. We asked the band to play this tune this morning, and as they do, and we're getting ready to close up the service today, I'm going to invite you to be thinking, perhaps, about a mask you find yourself throwing on every now and then a side of you that you project that isn't true. Perhaps today as we're writing down on our cards things that we need to let go of, maybe there's a persona in there that you might might consider letting go of. We're going to wrap things up here, and I just want to ask you, we've talked about some big kind of sweeping areas this morning of stuff that maybe the lenses that we're wearing need to be kind of reevaluated. We talked about stuff that's tripping us up, pulling us away from the spirituality we really down deep are wanting and chasing. And, uh, you know, I believe everyone has a very clear picture. If down deep, you, you might not even be able to verbalize it, but there is, a, there is something deeper and wider that you're going, yeah, I can, I can see it, or I can sense it when I see it, or I can tell you what it's not. But if there's something pulling you away from that thing, today is a perfect opportunity for you at least to begin a process of letting that thing go. And it starts sometimes just by naming it. That's why we put this, these cards out today. It's kind of a first step and you, you know, I, I was sitting here this week thinking, what would I write down? I found myself going, oh, I don't know how I would. Sometimes, though I might not have a big description of it, I might just have a word that's kind of getting close to it. And I'm going to invite you this morning. Maybe you're a little self-conscious because there's people a little too close to you. That's fine. You can just kind of Imagine writing it down with your eyes, all right? <laughs> we have a ritual around here where we've, this burn barrel has been with us now. It's still shiny, not on the inside. It's, it's, it's gone through its work. We've taken it out onto the terrace out here, and we light a fire, and we take these cards annually. And maybe it's a mistake you made this year that's getting in the way. Maybe it's some, some belief around the afterlife. Maybe it's your concept of God and, and, and what he's done or not done in some aspect of your life or someone you've loved. And something's gotten twisted up inside and it's left you kind of going, I don't know if I, if I can go any further in this journey. Maybe today is, is an invitation for your first step toward 
dropping it, changing out a lens, putting something in that's working, and starting fresh. So if that's, if that's you, and if you want to be a part of this, I'm going to invite you, pull out that card. Maybe you want to write something down. I wrote down a couple things here. We're going to, I'm going to invite uh, Greg to come grab this barrel and hike it out to the terrace. Get a fire going. If you brought hot dogs, you can bring them too. And all we're going to do is, you got everything you need? I'll, I'll bring it out. Thank you. We've never done it this way. We've always had people come up and drop it in here, but we're going to do it differently this morning. This, this morning's about doing different, okay? We're different. <laughs> it's going to be burning. You've got an opportunity, if you want, to just hike out there and drop it in. If you want to watch it burn, great. And then we're just going to invite you back. Come back here, and we're going to have a few more things to just wrap up the service. I pray that you will take one step, if nothing, to just be honest with yourself, perhaps, about a lens that might need being switched out. Okay, so we just did something different, didn't we? Chances are some of our brains are not doing well right now. (laughs) Jesus has this metaphor. He calls it the wide way and the narrow way. The narrow way is the step. You guys just took a step onto the narrow way. It's this idea that says, I'm going to change something so that... But part of our brains are going, no, 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 no. Wide way has worked for us all along. Vince, you think burning a piece of paper is actually going to change anything? Good luck. The reality is something has changed. Us being willing to do that, even if our brain fights us, totally normal. It's what our brain's designed to do. You've taken a step. This next year might be you fighting that step the entire way. Great. But we all took a step towards something new. A freedom to have a deep and profound spiritual life. That's what you did today. I want to end the service with a meditation. I want to invite you to close your eyes. Take a deep breath into your stomach. Now imagine yourself on the top of a mountain someplace, pitch black. Maybe there's stars. It's quiet and profound. You start to see the first blush of dawn. That's what we did today. As you see that light start to get brighter in your mind's eye, The sun's slowly starting to come up until you can see this horizon. And then the sun comes over the edge of the mountains and for the first time you can feel the sun on your face. And everything feels different. And yet you haven't moved and nothing around you has changed. That's a metaphor for the spiritual work we all did today. As we finish off, I want you to embrace the hope of something new, of a freedom to live your spiritual journey exactly the way you need it. 
Well, that concludes our service. Thank you for joining us here at, at uh, Friends Church on Easter Sunday. Um, we just want to make you aware of a, a few things that are coming up. Next week, we begin a whole new series called Resentments. And uh, it's really it's talking through what happens when we've been wronged. Um, we're going to take a few weeks to talk through undoing some of the things that twist us up in life, dealing with past stuff. We invite you, whether it's something you've got going on right now or something you've been through or someone that you know that's working through some stuff, there's going to be some great material that we're covering. It starts next week here, Sunday morning, 1030. Uh, after the service next Sunday, we're holding a big community lunch in the social hall. Really, it's an opportunity to just practice being community again. The pandemic got us out of practice. We're used to kind of going home to our caves, right? We want to break out of that. Pretend we're friendly. Pretend we want to meet some other people. Uh, we got people, right? And uh, sometimes just building a network of people that are on a journey that's maybe similar to ours. You just, you can't underestimate how powerful that group becomes when the waves start rolling in life. So you want to join us after the service. Great food lined up. Uh, it's going to be great. Okay, and then the following week, we're doing a Welcome to Friends orientation. It's like an open house for people that are maybe new or newer to Friends Church. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but you have some questions in the back of your mind about this place, about us. You're worried about us. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you just want to find out, how do I get involved in this? And, 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 and you know, I see other people getting involved, volunteering, whatever. What all else is going on in this church? It's a perfect opportunity. We want to tell you about what we're doing, why we do what we do and uh, get to know a little bit of your story, too. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little disappointed. These spotlights turned off after the burn barrel went out. I, when I practiced this morning, the spotlights were on, and I felt very special. My name is Kelty, and uh, I'm just going to end here today by just saying thank you so much. Um, this is a part of our service we call Charitable Giving, and it's an opportunity for me to thank you. We are able to bring you these services, the podcast, the activities during the week, the lunches, these types of things, because of the generosity of the people who participate in this church. So thank you very much. If you'd like to get in on that generosity, I'm happy to tell you how you can do that. There's a few ways. One is through our app. We have what we call preauthorized giving, and that's a chance for you just to set it and forget it. So once a month, there will be a donation that gets made in your name. Um, if you are in preauthorized giving and you happen to be using the platform that you, our old platform, in the last month or two, we've shifted to a new platform, which is great for us. It saves us fees, and we'd love it if you'd slide over to that new platform. If you have no idea what I'm talking about and you want to look through your email and see if you can find a lovely reminder note from Jeff or just find him after the service, he'll tell you how to do that. The other option is you can still through the app do a one-time donation, and you can do that sitting right where you are today. Or we kick it old school here, and at the back of the church box, we've got a box, a black box, that you can fill out a little envelope um, and pop your check or your cash in there, and we'll take that too. Any way you want to give it, we will take it. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Have a very happy Easter, and enjoy the rest of this beautiful Sunday.